Hi, I'm Dr. Gemma Newman, also known as the Plant Power Doctor, and I'm your host for the Wellness Edit podcast with Holland and Barrett. In today's episode, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Naomi Smart. She is an incredible entrepreneur, and she's a guiding light in all things sustainable and conscious living. She has her own natural and vegan skincare brand, Smart Skin, as well as a best-selling vegan cookbook, Eat Smart. And I'm so happy to introduce her to you today. She was a lovely guest. I really think you're going to enjoy this chat. I think the main thing I took from it was that you can learn your passions along the way. You don't have to know all the answers to get started. You just have to find that spark, follow it, and it will lead you to places that you could never have imagined. So I really think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. and I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Hi, Naomi. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's my absolute joy to have you with me. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Really well. Yeah, I'm in good. London. Um, feels really good now that things are back open. Life is getting back to normal. It is, it is, isn't it? A little bit. What have you been enjoying since lockdown has been easing? I think speaking to people in real life has been <laughs> quite nice. Yeah. And, and maybe giving them a hug every now and then. <laughs> yeah. I think just being reunited with friends and family, it's, it's been really lovely. Yeah. And no holidays yet, but um, I have everything crossed that soon we'll be able to do that. Oh, me too. It'd be lovely to get away. So as I said in the introduction, you are a massive guiding light in sustainable living. And I thought it might be quite good to start out by letting our listeners know a little bit more about you and how you got started with this interesting career. So tell us a little bit more about how you got started. I started on YouTube many, many years ago. I feel like I was there right at the very beginning. Um, so arguably I was in the right place at the right time because YouTube back then, it was a very, very different platform. It was purely a place to be creative and just have fun and honestly just not take it too seriously and I fell into it because a few of my friends at the time this amazing group that I was um, a part of were all starting YouTube channels and we just completely fell in love with filming and speaking about what we were passionate about and we all had our own little niche and mine I suppose was cooking and providing plant-based alternatives, how you can cook at home in a more healthy way. And I mean, this is obviously, it's all being done now uh, everywhere you look, but I think back then it was such a new thing that I think people found it really, really helpful to have a space to go to online where they could find these recipes to cook at home. Um, and I'd speak a little bit about sustainability, but very early on, it was mostly around um, food and also fashion and beauty. Um, just kind of sharing my own little tips. I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. <laughs> it was so long ago. And I, I definitely didn't see it going in the direction that it has gone. It was after I graduated from university and it was uh, just a nice creative outlet to have you know for for the time being and it somehow grew uh, into what it has today and I think there's something quite amazing about accidentally falling into something that you you really didn't expect to happen and it's all yeah worked out really really well <laughs> It certainly has. I think you've got something like 4.6 million global followers. And as you say, it's a winding path that you couldn't have mapped out. You know, when you go to school and you get careers advice, no careers advisor would ever tell you, well, just, you know, potter about and uh, share your passions on YouTube. And then this ends up happening. So it's a lovely lesson in, I guess, following your passion, following the things that you enjoy and sharing that passion with others and then letting it grow from there would you say absolutely yeah I completely agree I mean I I like most people fell into that trap of just going with what the schools and colleges and everything recommended of you know just go to university that it was a set thing to do I I honestly don't think there were any other options I remember I was at sixth form and it was compulsory to apply to university unless you had a very good excuse not to and I think at 17, 18, I personally didn't have like a clear set career goal in front of me. So 
because I didn't have that alternative to to like route to go down I just applied to university like everyone else and I mean I have no regrets because I, I ended up studying law at university and I did absolutely love it and it was an amazing experience and I feel so privileged that you know we do have access to that higher education so I've got absolutely nothing against it I just I do agree that I wish that there were kind of conversations at that time when you are so young that kind of enable you to go down a more creative route if that appeals to you yeah uh, and I think I if that had been a choice back then I would have absolutely taken it but because I didn't know it was even an option I was just like okay I'll just go and study something very academic and because that's what everyone else seems to be doing um so yeah I feel very grateful that I've ended up in a career that I I genuinely really love doing it's wonderful and it's it's also I suppose a lesson in our education system in general and maybe taking a step back and thinking about how we help children to think uh, laterally think logically um, analyze situations rather than just sort of by rote learning or following the path that's set it's a it's a really nice story as to following something different and unique and getting great results um, and you know it strikes me that you have a real entrepreneurial streak you know you've been able to create an incredible brand is that something that you feel is innate or natural or is that something that you had to work on tell me a bit about that so I feel very grateful that the the platform that I've been able to create on YouTube and Instagram has enabled me to open so many doors around me in terms of starting other businesses and working on projects with amazing brands and I think that entrepreneurial streak I've probably learned from family to be honest because I was the first person in my family really to go to university and everyone else have been just so like they're creative minds and they're all incredibly entrepreneurial started businesses from a very young age some have failed along the way some have been incredibly successful and I've just seen that firsthand how kind of risking a an idea that you have can just be so rewarding and fulfilling and I think I've just learned that purely from witnessing my family do it um my mum started as a journalist and worked her way up to um then create her own magazine and like my stepfather for example has had multiple businesses from the age of about 16 and you know <laughs> it's just amazing it's very very inspiring and then it's the same with my grandmother um, and my grandfather. So I've been surrounded by just very inspiring um, business and creative minds. And I think naturally I'm more of a creative and I definitely need those business minds around me. I don't think that is a natural kind of innate thing to be like, you know, entrepreneur business, right? We need to do it this way. I'm definitely more of the, the creative mind, but um, I think I've learned a lot and especially since starting my own business, um, Smart Skin, my skincare brand, I have been learning on the job and I'm still learning every single day. And I think um, one of my main my main mantras, I suppose, or, or like just general ethos is to be a student always, just never stop learning and just take it all in, absorb it and listen to those around you that you respect and admire and just be a sponge, just take it all in and ask questions. I'm always asking questions to, to everyone. <laughs> that's how you learn. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that's a really great thing to take away for people. Be a sponge, yeah. ask questions <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and see where it takes you. And I think there are other important lessons that I can tease out from what you've said. I mean, it sounds to me like, you you know, you don't have to always know the path. You don't have to know where you're going to end up to know that you want to get started. And I think sometimes that's something that holds a lot of people back is thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get to where I want to go. So I won't start. And, you know, your story is is sort of teaching us that actually, if you follow something that you are really interested in, you just have to take that first step and then the second step and then the third, fourth, fifth, and then things can often flow into place 
And um, you, know, you talked about your family and all those incredible influences around you, which is lovely. And I think also what's inspiring is that even having conversations like this, say somebody who's listening, they may not have a mother or a father or other relatives or friends that have that um, creativity or that entrepreneurial spirit. But even listening to this conversation and hearing your story may well be enough to give somebody else the confidence to just get started. I completely agree. Yeah, I think I, I have been very lucky that I've I've seen it firsthand, but I'm equally as inspired to podcasts that I listen to or books that I read or hearing about friends' stories or friends' family stories. And I think my, my family have, as I've said, been very entrepreneurial, but they've always very much encouraged me to do my thing on my own. So they're always willing to like be there to support and to give me advice. But they made me work from a very young age. I I had to go out there, like learn the value of money, get a job on my own, um, you know, work for my own pocket money um, from a very, very young age. And I think that instilled this um, mindset around the value of, of money and the importance of working hard. You can't just rely or depend on family, friends, or a partner for your own happiness or well-being or livelihood. I think, um, yeah, I, they really did teach me to, you know, if you, if you want to be successful or own your own business or, or whatever path you want to go down, you need to put the work in. It doesn't just fall into your hands. Um, so yeah, I think, I think being able to be open-minded to that. And even if you don't have that around you physically, there's so many outlets online where you can um, be inspired in that way. There's so many great, you know, career podcasts out there and books to read. So yeah, be a sponge. (laughs) Yeah. And you mentioned online and how useful that is. Obviously it's been instrumental to your journey being online and sharing your message, but it comes with its ups and downs. You know, there are sort of social media benefits and there are social media um, downfalls. Is there something that you can share with us about how you've been able to navigate that space in a way that suits you? I'd say I'm still navigating it. I think social media is ever-changing and it's a very, very different platform now to what it was when I started. You know, when I started, it was basically fun and games and I felt far more free in terms of my creativity and what I was posting. I think everyone was, to be honest, like you could just post anything. It was like very, it was instant, right? It was meant to be about your day and that depending on your content would like inspire others, hopefully. And now I feel like it has to be far more polished. And, you know, we have this cancel culture now where people are ready to pounce and call you out on things, which is I think good at the same time if you know you you've said or done something that you shouldn't but at the same time I think because we're all so terrified of doing or saying the wrong thing it's made me personally and I'm sure others retract a little bit and want to just double check everything so it has changed my content I think slightly so I'm constantly navigating that because you know it's my friends say sometimes like oh, like, do you find that your content is a bit too polished and, you know, your personality, your full personality may not be completely shining through? And I'm like, maybe, but then I'm so terrified to just like, set, like do and say like everything. And I think it is quite important with social media to retain some of your private life as well. You don't want to just put your whole life online. So I think I, yeah, I'm constantly trying to find this balance between being authentic and true to myself and being honest. But then also there's definitely a part of me that is like, oh, but don't be, don't be too honest because then people are going to like criticize you for being you. Yes. (laughs) So, So it's, it's a, yeah, it's something that I think we're all navigating, whether you have a big social media following, or it's just your friends. I think speaking to people around me, it's, it's this um, a recurring uh, conversation I seem to be having at the moment with people that are just like, I'm almost too scared to post because what are people going to say and what are people going to think? Um, and I, I, to be honest, I do hope that changes. I hope that it, it becomes a more free, freeing platform again. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I think we also need to remind ourselves that with 
social media, people only put up the best photos, right? So that one photo, for example, that you see come up on your feed, someone has probably taken a while to take those photos. Then they've gone through their camera roll to pick the favorite image of that collection of images. Then they've probably edited it and maybe put a filter on it or whatever. And then they've consciously decided to upload it onto Instagram. And then that's the one image that we see of that day. And I think when you're consuming that kind of content day in, day out, it can make you compare yourself to them or feel like your life is nothing like theirs. So I think just consciously reminding yourself that that's the process behind it. Um, I think also because like, of course, that's what I do as well. Like I'm, I'm obviously not criticizing people that do that because my career is also part of it is posting on Instagram. So I think because I can see that firsthand that of course the images that I post, like say I um, I'm on a shoot with a brand and then it's probably the best photo of that day that ends up on my Instagram. It's made me more mindful of that as well. And I'm just like, don't be sucked into it too much. Um, don't compare yourself to others on there. And just know that you can just, you need to take these images with a pinch of salt. Hmm. I really like that you've shared that and you've talked really expansively about all of the things that people struggle with. Um, and by the way, you have some gorgeous images on your Instagram. <laughs> they are absolutely lovely. Oh, thank and, you. You know, it, it, it is inspiring, but you're right. I think some people would see an image and think, oh, you know, she's so wonderful. She's so beautiful. Look at her lovely life. My life isn't like this. And, you know, I guess on the one hand, it's important to be mindful of that, but also on the other, it's important not to project other people's fears and insecurities on the things that you want to share and are passionate about and that could help others. So it is a difficult balance, isn't it? To, just to try and find that. And I think, as you say, everybody is navigating it the best way they can. And I personally have a real pet peeve with the cancel culture, because if we come at everything from a space of love and compassion um, and empathy, then there's definitely ways to share with someone when what they're saying may be either outdated or um, misinformed without lashing out. Mm. And I think that's something that I, I feel very strongly about because I see it every day with my patients. You know, people struggle. We're all human and mm. we all have our own journeys to go through. And it's really difficult because you can never judge somebody by the things that they say or do without fully knowing how they got to the place where they got to and the journey that they took to get there. And mm. I think that that's something that, that we all need to really sort of embrace is that, that sense of compassion, really. Yeah, I'm really glad you've said that. I completely agree because I think a lot of the time when people are called out on certain things that they've they've said or done it doesn't come from a malicious place at all or that they probably do have a really good heart and maybe it is just a slightly outdated opinion and they it's just useful to have those conversations in a really kind way so being overly critical and nasty frankly I mean you know <laughs> it, I think social media can be an outlet for people to be completely anonymous and be incredibly nasty so yeah I, I do agree it's a shame that it has gone in that direction but I think having these conversations will help because it hopefully it, it, it will just encourage people to think twice about what they see online and also let's just all be a bit kinder. <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's always room for that. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that, yeah, one thing that I'm trying to do in terms of, you know, not having my, my page or profile to be too polished and curated and perfect is just do a random like photo diary of like my weekend where it's just real. And I just got back from a, a lovely, um, family weekend in Cornwall and I just posted like a few photos of like the view and running and my stepdad and you know things like and family and I think that just keeps it real and kind of it just reminds me of what Instagram used to be like it's just like real life this is what I got up to with my family um compared to just you know all very professional photos of like shoots or you know I think that's when it can become less realistic and less authentic. So I think, yeah, just, just finding that balance. Yeah. And I think 
moving towards that sort of authenticity and, and the message that, that you share, I would love to hear a bit more about what got you into plant-based eating first up. And is that linked to your passion for sustainable living? Like, How did you first discover it and what gave you that passion in the first place? Yeah, it was a good few years ago now. And I was very interested in health and well-being. And I, for whatever reason, kept hearing about the plant-based lifestyle. And I really take those as little messages or signs that I should be reading into it a bit more or learning about it, educating myself. And it, it was honestly like a few weeks of just, I felt like everyone was saying, oh yeah, so like, my mum who's plant-based or oh I just read a book about this plant-based lifestyle blah, blah. and maybe it was just a sign at the times like it was just a new thing and this was about seven or eight years ago um obviously not a new thing like people have been eating plant-based for years and years, <laughs> and years but like in terms of a new movement and so I think because I just felt like I kept seeing it everywhere and hearing about it I thought oh I'd quite like to learn a bit more about this way of living and 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 the diet so I bought a few books um, I spoke to a few people and because of that interest, I, I'm a quite an all or nothing person. I one day just decided, ah, I might be plant-based now. And I'd gone from eating meat and eggs and dairy and everything. Like I, I didn't have any particular like special diet at all. Overnight, I turned plant-based and I didn't even think like, is this going to be like a week thing or a month thing or like a forever thing? I just, I hadn't even like put a label on it because I hadn't considered it that much in terms of like me personally being plant-based. And that was about seven or eight years ago. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I realized that I had more energy and because of that energy, I wanted to exercise more and just move my body more. So I'd like go on runs. I got really into running, ended up running the London Marathon. And I think it all came from this like buzz of like newfound energy in my body. I felt lighter. I felt generally healthier um, and just fell in love with that lifestyle. And with that, yeah, it reinforced my passion for sustainability as well. So Admittedly, it did definitely come from more of a health and well-being um, kind of stance when I first started. But then learning more about the environment and being kinder to our planet and the correlation between eating or living a plant-based life reinforced reinforced it for me. Mm. So you heard people talking about it and then it got you curious and that's when you sort of delved deeper um, I don't think it was that well known like seven, eight years ago if, for most people. Uh, to be honest, I still feel like it's not that well known now. It's much better than yeah. it was. Um, but I suppose it's a different slant when you're thinking about maybe a certain generation and when you're thinking about the social media generation, as it were, compared mm. to the people that you know I see on a day-to-day -day basis in my clinic. Um, I guess these things take generational shifts sometimes, don't they, to... to yeah. uh, to get Absolutely. implanted in our minds. Um, so when it comes to the wellness, you know, you said that you were initially into it just because you thought, oh, I want to get healthy uh, and this seems like a healthy way of living. How has that changed over the years? Have you, have you sort of, have you focused much more now on the environment or is it just a, a real broad mix? I would say now I found a really good balance. I think back then, I was so curious about it. And I think for anyone that does turn vegan or plant-based, I, I think you probably would relate to this idea, like me saying how exciting it feels. And you're just like, wow, this is great. I feel great. My body, like, it's almost like, why haven't I done this my whole life? And for a few years, I was like unbelievably strict, like strict, strict vegan, a purist in every sense. Um, which is which is good, but I think over the years now, and maybe it's because I'm slightly older, I have a more relaxed approach, which for me really works. I feel like I have settled into this really lovely balanced place where I feel so content with my diet, my lifestyle and sustainability. 
because I definitely do think you can go a bit too far. And whether it's just because of that initial excitement period where you, you do become a bit of a perfectionist with it. I mean, I did personally, um, you know, nothing wrong with it, but I think it can almost get to a place where it defines you as a person. Whereas now I feel like I just have this, I suppose, like a, a mindset of progress, not perfection. Um, because I, I think perfectionism can be quite toxic um, to you personally. Like people around you may not not even notice or know what's going on internally. But I think when when you're trying to be so perfect, it can cause a lot of stress and like this weight on your shoulders because you're constantly thinking like even if it's not your diet, it could just be work or friendships or relationships or you know whatever it is I think it's it's not really a healthy mindset to have so now I just remind myself it's all about progress not perfection and perfectionism like the problem with it is you're never going to be satisfied because there's always someone or something better out there so it is yeah quite a toxic place to be in so now I'm just like oh, I'm just very content very happy and yeah hopefully found that balance <laughs> That's great. I like that progress over perfection. Um, so, so, I mean, you mentioned about how it could be internally versus externally. Is there anything practical that you can share that has changed for you? So when you were sort of so rigid, what kind of examples can you give me, you know, to sort of help the listeners understand what you mean in terms of how you are now compared to then? Yeah. So, I mean, I've been very fortunate to travel a lot for work and for example, traveling through Italy, um, an amazing trip, uh, or, or wherever it is in the world, and being incredibly, incredibly strict with diet, not even just in terms of being plant-based, but being like healthy. It's quite a difficult place, Italy, and you know, other places to be completely healthy, vegan, as I'm used to in London, for example. So it'd be like a case of only eating side salad and maybe like some bread or whatever. And it's just like, that's not healthy. Like you're not satisfying your body or your mind. And I think being able to just think, okay, look, this is the best option that I have to be healthy. Like go with it, just relax a little bit. And that's a new mindset that I have now to just be more open-minded with my food. Because I think generally, I, I hopefully like to think, you know, that I'm quite an open-minded person. So it's a bit contradictory for me to then be so closed minded with the way that I eat. And it's no fun, you know, like to be in such an amazing place and traveling and to think, well, the only food I'm going to enjoy while I'm away is a side salad and maybe, <laughs> may, and maybe some chips and bread. Like it's, it's not, it's not great. So yeah. I've just realized now, like, don't be such a perfectionist. It's okay. Like just go with the flow, relax. And I mean, I'm not saying go out and eat a steak, but <laughs> of course, but just take that approach of go with the best option that you have for you. That's going to satisfy your, your body and your, your mind. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And it is an important way of thinking generally. I think a lot of people, I mean, when it comes to plant-based nutrition, actually, people have a very fixed mindset often on what they want to achieve and how they want to feel. And life's not like that. And um, I think, you know, having that compassion for yourself and understanding that um, you have to look after your mental health along this journey. And if you're doing something like that just to lose weight or for, you know, being completely strict with yourself, then it gets quite miserable. Yeah. Um, and it's probably not the best um, way of sort of looking at things for yourself and, and also for, you know, for the people around you. So, yeah, I, I think that that's really lovely that you've shared that and and that aspect of your journey as well. Yeah, I, th I think. Thank you. I think it all comes down to that. Again, the, the progress, not perfection thing. Um, I think it's something that a lot of us can fall into this. You know, I've got to be perfect at everything. And it's just it's not a realistic way of of living and I mean I am very much plant-based with my lifestyle and my my diet I just think it's a case of not putting so much pressure on yourself to be perfect 100% of the time um, because I think one thing I've realized is no one around you like 
cares you know <laughs> it's like only <laughs> <friendly> you <laughs> like, <is> true <laughs> like your friends and family aren't going to call you out or not doing everything completely perfectly like whether it's it is your your business your work um anything really like friends aren't going to do that they're not going to care it's only really you it's this internal thing like this voice that I think is a maybe like a constant battle that we have if you are a perfectionist and you just need to check in with yourself sometimes and just be like you're only doing this to yourself you're you're the only person putting pressure on yourself to do this thing perfectly and um, so yeah. I think yeah it's just like a reminder to yourself to be like no you're you're fine you're doing you're doing great um, and I think it's also so important to acknowledge and celebrate your your achievements um again like this this is very much all about perfectionism isn't it but I think um when you're in that headspace you can sometimes not not celebrate those those little goals and achievements because you're always thinking about the next thing and how you're going to do it better so now I find it really really lovely to just be like oh I'm really proud of myself for that that was really great I put loads of work into that and yeah I'm proud yes Give yourself a pat on the back. Well done. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. And I think not, not enough of us do that. And there's a, I don't know where I heard this, but somebody said, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're always thinking about what other people think. And then when you're in your late 30s or 40s, you do what you think is best and feel confident to do what you think. And then when, you're, when you reach sort of 50s, 60s, you realize that nobody was even watching. <laughs> yeah. You could have just done, all, done what you want to do all along. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. I think that's what I'm coming to realize because I'm 29 and I'm in that transition now of like, I don't think I actually care what people think of me now. I'd actually just like to do what I want to do and take that pressure off myself because maybe they actually don't care as much as I thought they did. So yeah, it's all these little constant reminders to ourselves, I think. Yes. Um, and so on a practical level, you mentioned progress over perfection. Like, what does that look like in your life, in your day? Like, you know, do you sort of get up and every day move your body or do you sort of, you know, make a sort of a meal plan or anything like that? How, how does that work for you personally? I think it's all quite intuitive, to be honest. I very much listen to my body. And I I think being interested in well-being now for so long, it's it's got me to a place where I feel like I am in tune with my my body and I, I kind of know what I want. So before I think I was very strict and regimen regimental with my um diet and exercise routine, and I would have like a, a bit of a plan every day but now I literally wake up in the morning and I'm like how do I feel do I want to go for a walk or a run or not do anything at all or yoga or gym like it's very much how what I want to do and for me I really love moving my body I get that rush of endorphins afterwards so I love going for runs it's like my meditation but sometimes I wake up and I feel you know maybe exhausted or or not even exhausted, just really happy. And I'm like, I'd just quite like to cook myself a really great breakfast today. And so, yeah, I just very much listen to myself and that's the progress part. I think, um, I'm not, it's not the perfectionism of, right. I need to be fit and healthy, which means I need to be exercising every single day because actually that's not healthy because you're not listening to yourself. You're not listening to what your body is telling you, what it, you know, what it needs. So one thing that I do do every day and I do try to stick to is I wake up at 6.30 every morning and that's purely to give myself time to settle into the day ahead. And I feel like it almost gives me a head start compared to before when I would kind of wake up at the latest possible opportunity and then you'd immediately like jump up, rush, rush, rush before the day begins whereas now I think just having that extra little bit of time means that I can go out for a nice walk and then maybe come back and do some yoga and not feel like I'm losing the day and I'm working by like 8 30 so it's a really nice balance and it's it's hard to change your routine I think because you know it's all very 
it's easy to say, wake up an hour earlier and you'll have more time to like enjoy your day. But it's hard when maybe you've had a late night or you are just genuinely exhausted from work. When your alarm goes off at 6.30, sometimes the last thing you want to do is jump out of bed. You want to snooze, like lie in bed a bit longer. But yeah, especially with children. I mean, my goodness, I'm lucky if I get to wake up at half six. <laughs> oh, I know. I was thinking that as I said it, I was like, I'm actually just very fortunate that it's just me. Because also I live on my own, so I can be as selfish as I want, um, which might not last forever. So maybe this is just a short chapter of my life. I don't know. But yeah. But we, can... all, we all have to find balance where, where we're at. I think that's the key message as well, isn't it? I mean, people have kids, people have responsibilities, people have maybe elderly parents, people are carers for others mm. so it's about it's about finding those moments for yourself in yeah. order to sustain yourself to look after others as well whichever whichever life phase you're in yeah and you know it can be in any form as well it doesn't have to be waking up early for an extra hour in your day it could be little reminders throughout your day to just sit down for a couple of minutes and breathe it's you know it's as simple as that I do completely appreciate it's so much harder when you have other responsibilities such as another human like in your life that you're you're there to you know completely nurture and look after but I mean this um idea of like waking up an hour earlier came from one of my friends uh Adrian Herbert who wrote a book called The Power Hour and she is just actually superwoman and I don't know how she does it but she has a little one um a little boy who's gorgeous and she somehow wakes up I think at like five in the morning every day crack of dawn goes for a run gets back and wakes her little boy up like so he's been asleep like the whole time and her husband and I'm just like how do you do that like I can't wake up at five and I live on my own and I've got no responsibilities but it's that kind of attitude that I just find so unbelievably inspiring and like I said she is superwoman so you know she is she is and if anybody who's listening to this now hasn't heard it you can check out the wellness edit podcast series one (gasps) where we chatted to Adrienne oh well there you go perfect I'm like plugging the podcast for you (laughs) absolutely absolutely why not it's a good podcast (laughs) you know what I actually I need to listen to that so I will listen to that one today she's she's brilliant and um, she is I'd recommend her book as well yeah, she's truly inspiring. Um, so, I mean, getting onto this sort of wellness life, you know, as you, we've we've talked about how people's lives are very different. They have responsibilities. They have busy lives. They may not have a budget. They may be parenting alone. Like, how if someone wants to sort of do things that are better for the environment, how can they do it without buying electric car or buying solar panels or you know buying the most expensive products? Like, how can people fit this in practically and cheaply? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I think there is a quite a big misconception that being plant-based and living more sustainably comes at, you know, a higher price point. And it definitely can be true because, you know, you just need to go into certain like shops or look online at certain brands that tick all those boxes in terms of sustainability and their general ethos and the, the price points can be a lot higher but it's absolutely not a necessity to live more sustainably. I think even little things like switching up your your food shop to look at, say, local farmer's markets that are in your local area on a Sunday to buy your fresh produce compared to going to a supermarket. And that reduces plastic waste because obviously most supermarkets that sell these like fresh produce comes wrapped, wrapped in like cling film and plastics and bags that can't be recycled and just going to a local farmer's market is cheaper and it's more fresh tastes better and there's no plastic involved especially if you know take a little tote bag with you and it's even those little little mindset changes I think of when you leave the door if you know you know it's a Saturday or Sunday morning and you're going for a little stroll just take a tote bag with you because you might stumble upon like a farmer's market or something and it just prevents you from using more plastic. And it's such a small, obvious thing. But I think once that's completely ingrained in you, it becomes so much easier. And also, I think the idea of being more sustainable can be quite daunting, especially because of the, the price point that a lot of people think it comes at. But also, it's just like, I don't know how to be sustainable and, you know, what does that entail? I think 
being able to reconnect with your local environment instills this newfound respect for the planet because you you feel more connected to it and then naturally you'll want to become a bit more sustainable um i would also say in terms of like fashion because i think fashion is a big thing where the sustainable brands do come at a premium price point you don't have to buy like brand new clothing from sustainable stores to be sustainable i think there's so much in pre-loved fashion which is obviously cheaper but also like you'll find some absolute hidden gems i find it really exciting going to vintage shops for example i'm a massive fan of going to vintage shops because they're one of a kind pieces absolutely stunning you feel like a little bit of history is attached to it as well like you never we'll never find out that piece of clothing's history but you can imagine it <laughs> imagine where it's come from and it's more sustainable because it's obviously this like circular fashion where it's coming back into someone else's hands and it's brand new for you but it's actually been passed on obviously so rather than the production process of new clothing where even though they may have completely sustainable practices that does often come at a higher price because it's more expensive to be sustainable right and it is a new piece of clothing so i think just opening your mind up a little bit to vintage shopping or generally pre-loved there's also a lot of them um, these lovely online pre-loved shopping outlets now where you can actually like rent clothing as well so i think they're all just really brilliant ideas so if you're into fashion look at renting look at vintage if you're the average person that's not particularly into fashion, maybe buy less clothes, I guess, um, make them last longer if you can, and look for secondhand. Um, you know, if you're not able to afford more sustainable new clothing items, that might be a good way to go. Um, and just really looking after the clothes that you already have. Um, I guess for children as well, it's difficult because they keep growing. So you can't keep the same clothes for that very long. Um, but yeah, I, I think that might be a, a really handy tip. And then if you've got, if you have got lots of plastic bags, at least reuse those, you know, maybe just try to remember to take out, you know, take your plastic bags with you if that's all you've got at home. And at least then you're not, you know, you're not buying another one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point as well about you don't have to constantly be buying clothes I think we've have been uh we're part of this society where it's so trend driven and you know you're being told that you need to keep up with these current new seasons whereas actually I'm I don't know about you but like I've got so many clothes in my wardrobe that I can still wear and make use of and still love and you can get sucked into this like oh but is that still like current is that you know, still what I want to wear because, you know, I've seen there's a new trend of a certain dress or whatever. I think that's just literally being sucked up in, into that kind of culture, the, the, you know, consumerism culture. So making do with what you do have and you can adjust it and alter it at home. Um, I mean, I'm not very good at that personally, but I, you know, hopefully ask a friend <laughs> to help me out with like patching things up and like, or even like altering it in terms of the style. Like maybe you want to bring a long dress up to a short dress and then it's like a new completely new garment and yes. yeah mixing up what you have in your wardrobe I, I like the idea of of trying to come back to a way of thinking that is less kind of disposable you know like that doesn't have to cost the earth and literally standing on the earth um it I like what you said about kind of getting back to nature and realizing where everything comes from and how we play a part in that. And it just allows you to think every day, oh, do I need to buy this extra thing? Do I really need that 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 particular item? Uh, maybe sort of taking that step back and just giving yourself that moment to, to reconnect with, with what's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's almost like um, going back to the root cause rather than the symptoms in terms of like not just going out there and like oh I need to be sustainable so I'm going to like buy loads of tote bags and do <laughs> buy all the the sustainable stuff that you might need it's actually more about regaining a newfound respect for for the, the planet and then it will naturally come you know it, it will just become intuitive to want to be kinder to the planet yeah and and what you put on your plate also helps. I think eating 
fruits, vegetables, whole grains and beans, they can be very, very cheap, certainly cheaper than than quality meat products. And that's a, a nice thing to, I suppose, also bear in mind is, you know, that's something that you can do three, four times a day, however many times a day that you eat a meal or that you prepare a meal for your loved ones. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very true. Um, that's why I've, I've actually always been an advocate for the plant-based uh, way of eating actually being very affordable because you're cutting out the the butchers and the fishmongers and replacing that you're buying these long-lasting grains and um legumes everything that lasts a lot longer in your your cupboard I'm really lucky that I've got this great zero waste store near me where it's like a sweet shop in that everything are in these big massive jars I call them the pastas the grains um and you just go in and you you take it all and they put it in like either paper bags or you take your own jars and it's a really lovely way of shopping and it means that you're cutting out the plastic and also it ends up being so much more cost effective because those things do last so so long in your cupboard um but again I mean I'm living in London and I I do have those things on my doorstep so I appreciate living in the countryside you're, you're probably not going to have you're not going to have those kind of places as accessible to you. You probably need to go a bit out of your way to find them. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's great to to be near those places. And if you can seek them out and find one close by, that's fantastic. But if not, then you just make do with what you've got. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right. So, you know, we've talked a lot about the practical things that people can do. I would love to hear a little bit more about your skin brand because I know that's something that you're really passionate about. And I imagine that's taken an awful lot of work and dedication to put out there for people to enjoy. So tell us a little bit more about Smart Skin. Yeah, so it's a natural, vegan, organic skincare brand. And I've been so passionate about beauty for a long time and the health of our skin. And I was being a bit of a beauty junkie, I was buying lots of these lovely skincare products that ticked all those boxes and they aligned with my ethos, but they often were coming at a premium price point. And I just thought, you know, this isn't accessible to everyone. And that's what, what a shame really that you can't really go out and find skincare that is really, really good for you and is sustainable as well. That isn't that cost-effective or affordable. So I wanted to create my own. And honestly, I want, I created my absolute personal favorite skincare regime. So it came from, came from quite a, a selfish point of view. I was like, right, I really would love a cleanser that removes all of your makeup and, you know, impurities from the day, but doesn't strip your skin. It still nourishes your skin and hydrates your skin because I found that really good cleansers that that did all of that, you know, removing impurities and makeup often left my skin feeling quite dry and, and, and stripped of, you know, all of it's the good oils. So I thought, hmm, how can we do this? I wonder how I can find this or whatever. So um, yeah, I ended up, ended up working. Asking with, questions, like you said at the beginning, you're always asking questions. Always asking questions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I ended up working with this amazing lab that are based in Sussex and uh, the chemists uh, we we create, and they, you know, they their ethos completely aligns with mine in terms of sustainability. All of our ingredients are sourced within the UK, produced in the UK, labs in the UK, everything, and completely vegan, cruelty free, natural ingredients. And I basically said to them, like, is it possible to do this? And it took about two and a half years to develop the formulas, um, the cleanser the golden jelly cleanse that I've mentioned is just one, one example. Um, we launched with five products and we've just launched another two, which is really exciting. Um, but it was possible. And that golden jelly cleanser does exist. And it was just such an exciting moment, you know, being sent these samples and going back and forth and being in the labs, like mixing it all up. This is pre COVID like being in there and like seeing it all firsthand. And I think the most important thing for me obviously like ticking all those boxes in terms of how sustainable is it, our packaging and um, being vegan, cruelty-free, all of those things were so important. But also I was like, at the end of the day, it's skincare. It needs to work and people need to notice the benefits, right? Because that's why you buy skincare at the end of the day. And having used these skincare products now for a very long time, it 
has completely transformed my skin. I've got quite problematic skin and I've noticed and realized that taking it back to the basics is so, so important. I think, especially when you do have quite problematic skin, you want to try like every product under the sun and like, oh, maybe this serum will work, maybe this and blah, blah, blah. And like you, you're layering these products onto your skin, but that can cause more problems than good. So for me personally, going back to basics, like stripping it all right back and using the purest ingredients on your skin has just done me the world of good. And I think I was just so excited to put that out there to the world and, and hear if other people notice that as well with this, you know, natural skincare and the feedback since we launched in September last year has just been amazing. It's It's been one of the most rewarding things I think that I've done in my career because just hearing people say like thank you for creating these products and I didn't realize that natural skincare could be this effective and that's like literally the reason I started so it's yeah been just so so fulfilling. Mm, it sounds it. And I have to say for all of those of you who are listening and not actually watching on the Holland and Barrett website, Naomi's skin is just gorgeous. She's absolutely glowing. So <laughs> I think I might rush out and get some of your products myself. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? It's been an absolute pleasure. It really has to talk to you and learn more about your motivation and your journey and, and all the ways in which you've inspired people along the way. Um, is there any final thoughts that you can leave our listeners with to inspire them on their own journey towards a little bit more wellness in their life? I would say go easy on yourself and be kinder to yourself. And with that, I think in turn, you'll be kinder to others around you and the planet. I think it's all about just being compassionate to yourself and to others. Mm, could not agree more. And on that note, Thank you so very much and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so lovely speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. Do remember you can check out all previous episodes of The Wellness Edit on your favourite podcast platform as well as the Holland & Barrett website, hollandandbarrett.com. All views and experiences talked about on this podcast are those of our guests and do not reflect the views of Holland & Barrett.